Hey guys, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Reserve Team Podcast. We appreciate you guys listening so far and hanging in there with us as, as we learn and we're having a lot of fun. Um, this episode is just going to be the two of us and we'll just get right into it. It's, it's my personal favorite time of the year. You know, basketball is kind of wrapping up and we're getting into the Big Ten Tournament. What are your thoughts as the, as the Big Ten Tournament starts this week, Tom? Yeah, I'm looking forward to, uh, to watching. I think it's a, there's a lot of teams I think that can make a run. Um, and there's a lot of teams. I mean, if you just look at like the top three or four teams, like they're some of the best in basketball right now. So I think that could be really exciting to watch. And I don't know, we'll, we'll see. It's like a little teaser for March Madness already. It really is. I think what's cool about the Big Ten, like you mentioned, they have those teams that are at the top of, you know, they're the best teams in the nation. But then as well, it's such a deep conference. Like they're pretty much outside with a few exceptions. I think there's a reasonable chance that anybody could come away with the with the Big Ten title. Yeah, um, and I think that uh, not only that, but I think that there's already been so many upsets throughout the season where, you know, you had teams or even just in the last few weeks. It's like, oh, I didn't expect this team to be that one. Um, so I think that that'll all play into it, too. So I think it could be really exciting. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so let's just go ahead and we'll break down our games and give our predictions. So in the on Wednesday, the first game is going to be Minnesota Northwestern. Who do you think is going to win that one, Tong? I have Minnesota in that one. I, I also have Minnesota. I think Marcus Carr is going to be too tough for Northwestern to stop. I think he's just too good of a player, and they don't have the firepower behind it. And then following that game is the Nebraska-Penn State game. Thoughts on that one? Yeah, I have Penn State, but I don't I don't really care. They're not going to advance past that, I don't think. I, I think Nebraska is going to win. I have uh, Hoiberg, you know, got to stick with the Bulls a little bit. I hope, sure. They'll, they'll find a way to, to squeak out another win here to end their season. But like you said, I don't think they get past Wisconsin in the next game. So I think we both have Wisconsin beating them. How do you feel about the Indiana Rutgers game? Yeah, uh, well, I mean, I think many IU fans don't expect to, to win it. Um, and, and maybe and they feel like maybe they should, but they aren't. Um, I think it's going to be a big one for Archie. Yeah, like he's got to win. I feel like he's got to win it. I have Rutgers. I don't think IU's going to be able to get by. Um, and I think that's going to be a pretty rough result for IU, honestly. I would have Rutgers. Yeah, I Archie and, and IU have put themselves in a very tough position with his recent performance. I think I think a lot of people in Bloomington even are expecting, you know, they, they're okay with losing out if that means Archie's not back next year. Um, but that $10 million buyout is going to be uh, something else. And I think we could see Archie Miller stick around for another year. But I think Rutgers – um, advances through that one as well. And I, and I have IU friends who are actively betting against IU because they don't think they will win. So, I mean, I, I have to take their word for that one at least. <laughs> exactly. So then uh, your hometown Buckeyes against Minnesota. What do you think about that one? I have the Bucks. I also have OH. OH. Not IO. I can't finish that. Um, but I, I do think they're clearly the stronger team. They've had a little bit of a lull lately, but I think they'll, they'll find a way. And then Michigan State and Maryland. I think Michigan State can make a bit of a run, so I have Michigan State. I do, too. I think they're playing their best basketball of the year. It seems like Tom Izzo always finds a way to have his team peaking in March. You know, their March program, as Tong likes to say about Wisconsin, but I think and about Michigan State. And, yeah, I think, I think they're a sleeper pick to maybe make a little bit of a run. Um, so then moving on to those Friday games with people we have advancing, um, the Battle of Michigan, Michigan State, Michigan. What do you, what do you think there? Uh, I think Michigan pulls it out. I don't think they're going to drop another to Michigan State. And 
Um, I think they're the better team. So I think that'll make for a better Saturday game, I hope. Yeah, I, I do too. I think it, it has the potential to be another good game, but after the recent loss, I don't think Michigan leaves anything to doubt. Um, one that I think is going to be a fantastic game, Ohio State-Purdue. Yeah, I have – it hurts me to say, but I have Ohio State. Um, I don't think Purdue can pull it out again, and I think that's okay. You know, keep expectations low for March Madness, and then, you know, they're going to make a big run. It's no big deal. But I, I think Ohio State's – I think five is probably a low seed for them or high seed, I guess. I don't know. But I think they could probably be a bit better seeded, um, and so I think that might show itself in the tournament. Yeah, I, I honestly do think this one's a toss-up. I think it's going to be hard for Purdue to beat a team three times in a row, especially a team as high caliber as Ohio State. But Boilers have had Ohio State's number, so I'm going to advance the Boilers, baby. Yeah, no surprise there. Yep. All right. And then uh, the two-seed, Illinois, playing their first game, and we have them playing Rutgers. What do you think there? Yeah, I have Illinois. I, I also have Illinois, I think, with Io back. You know, I think it's just too much for them to stop, although never count out. Geo and the boys, Ron Harper Jr., I think if they get hot, anything could happen. I think if they find a way to sneak through this game, they I think they have a chance to win the whole thing. I don't I don't know what your thoughts on Rutgers are. Yeah, I think that I mean I think if you can beat Illinois, that's I mean, that's enough right there to prove it to me that you could go on a run. They've had some good results. Um, it's kind of crazy to think a seven seed is legitimately has a legitimate shot at, at going and winning it all, but I think they could. Uh, that being said, they'll probably lose IU now that I said that, but I mean. Right. It wouldn't surprise me. Rutgers is also a team that I think could find a way to win a couple games in the NCAA tournament if they get the right draw, which I think is crazy. Like you said, the seventh best team in the Big Ten is going to maybe find a way to get out of that first weekend of the, of the tournament. And then a, another good game that I think just happened recently, a little rematch, is the Wisconsin-Iowa game. I yeah, think. I'm picking Wisconsin. Uh, I, yeah, I mean, Wisconsin is a March team. I always like to say that jokingly, but I actually do think that they're going to put up a really tough game for Iowa here. And I just don't really like watching Iowa play that much. I'm going to be, so I'm going to pick Wisconsin. Really? Why not? I think Iowa's fun to watch. I like the, the running care. and shoot it a little bit. Um, he, he retired his number. He's going to be, it's already getting to his head. He, yeah. It, there's no chance for guards. But uh, I, I do think Wisconsin pulls this one out. I, the injury to Wieskamp uh, this last week, I think hurts them. I don't know how the extent of his injury, but I doubt he plays in the big 10 tournament because it doesn't, really add anything to their NCAA hopes. Um, so I do think Wisconsin as well pulls this one out. Um, so then to the final four, we differ in the, in the early game. I have Purdue, Michigan, you have Michigan, Ohio state, a little rivalry action. What are, you, what are your feelings there? Uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm going Michigan here. Um, and I think that, I think they're the best team. I think they're going to make it to the finals essentially. Yeah, I, I think I also advance Michigan as much as I would love to say that Purdue finds a way to, to win that one, um, or even Ohio State, really. I think Michigan is just they – had, they had a little bit of a skid, but I think they're going to figure out a way to get back to their, their top form when it comes in, and it matters. And then in that second game on Saturday, we have Illinois and Wisconsin. I have Illinois. I think the, uh, the run ends for Wisconsin, um, and I think that – Illinois is going to be a really tough, tough task for them. So I'm going to go Illinois. Yeah, I also have Illinois. Once again, the, the firepower is just too much for Wisconsin. Um, and then we both have Illinois-Michigan final. What are you thinking? Uh, I want to – I think I know what you're saying here. Um, but I'm going to go Illinois. Um, partly because I don't want to see Michigan win at all. 
but uh, I, I think Illinois is just really well-rounded, and I think that they're going to have a really great shot. I agree. I think Illinois, once again, getting Io back from the injury, just, just completes that team. I think Trent Frazier's playing at a high level, as well as just their role players are, are there to, to kind of solidify everything that's there. And Andre Corbello is playing some of his best basketball. So I also think Illinois is coming out. But like we said, honestly, anything can happen, which is why I think this Big Ten tournament will be really fun to watch. Yeah, I would love to see just like Northwestern go all the way or something crazy like that. But um, yeah, I think it, as long as the games are good and they all go to overtime, I'm happy. I'm telling you, watch out for that 13 seed Minnesota team. Marcus Carr gets hot, anything can happen. Well, should have picked him then. I don't, I don't feel that confident about him. <laughs> so uh, this time of the year, basketball is kind of starting to wrap up and then we get into uh, the MLS season starts. Um, Recent reports, Sacramento was supposed to get a new expansion team for the MLS, and they've kind of backed out due to some COVID issues. Um, so they've, they've kind of removed themselves from the, that expansion role. So that leaves a big gap um, and an opportunity for a new city to kind of step in and, and take what Sacramento has left and maybe you know swoop in and, and grab that next MLS team. What city or cities do you think are good options for the MLS to kind of expand into? Yeah, it's, it's really tough for Sacramento because they've been trying to get in for so long uh, and they've had a really huge, 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 uh, huge fan base in USL. Um, like ma they've had massive number of fans um, and it's been so big that they got their own stadium. Um, and then one of their investors dropped out and because probably because of COVID reasons and um, and now they're worried that it might not even happen. So I've seen reports saying that they're still trying to find investors and uh, it could still happen, but you know, that's, it's just no guarantee. And it's been one of those things that they've been trying to get a team for so long that like, who knows if it will. Um, so if we're going to replace them, I'm thinking there's been some names thrown out like Vegas or Phoenix. Um, and I think it makes sense to maybe have a Western conference team to replace them. If you're bringing in a Western conference team, it makes sense to replace them with one. Um, I don't know. It'd be fun to see Vegas. I don't know if they'd be able to handle a team there. Um, there were concerns about an NHL one working. That's worked so far. They have a USL team, and they seem to be doing okay with attendance, but, you know, it's a whole different game. Obviously, it's a big market, so uh, that, that's helpful for them. But I'd personally love to see Vegas. I think, I think I'd love to see Phoenix. I think that's an interesting market to me. Um, I, like you said, another big market. I think they're 11th in the U.S. in terms of, like, population. There's a big international airport there. Not that the MLS draws too many international fans, but – there's plenty of plenty of room for expansion there and I think they do have a UL USL side right now so I think they you know there is a there is a fan base for the soccer team there um but it, it's not the most you know diehard loyal fan base but it is growing which I think is a is a promising sign for Phoenix another thing that I think um is going is there's no Arizona team I think that gets a total maybe potential new market to bring in if you do um, a team in Arizona rather than, I don't know. I, th I think Vegas is another good option. Personally, I'm just tired of seeing all the expansion teams go to Vegas. I don't know. Yeah, and, um, you know, Phoenix would be interesting too because that's Drogba's team where, well, if they would partner with the, the lower league team there right now, uh, he's been a part owner and a player in the past. I don't know if he's still affiliated with them at all, but that'd be kind of an interesting angle on that too because – Obviously, you'd love to see Drogba associated with the MLS in some way. Um, but, yeah, it, it's interesting because there's already teams that have been announced. So, like, you've had Austin FC, you've had Charlotte, 
Uh, they're getting a team. St. Louis is getting a team. Um, and there's so many MLS teams now that it's almost like, okay, what cities are even left that makes sense? Like Sacramento almost didn't make sense in some ways because you have two LA teams, you have San Jose. Um, and so it's kind of interesting which ones are even the best choices. Um, I like there's also Detroit being thrown around. They, they were in the round where Cincinnati was trying to get a team. Detroit was mentioned a lot. Um, and they ultimately didn't get it because they wanted to play at, I think it was like Ford Field or something like that. Um, and they, MLS, one of them have their own stadium, basically. So I don't know if they'd ever budge on that, but I'm sure Detroit would be a great option because they could get the, you know, the Lions owners and all them collaborating together. Which I think is an interesting point by the MLS. I don't understand the asphyxiation with you know, having to have your own stadium. Whereas you see Atlanta plays in the Mercedes-Benz Dome. Um, the fire just moved back to Soldier Field. I don't understand why it's acceptable for some teams to play in the in the associated NFL stadium, whereas it's not okay for other ones. I think if the infrastructure is already in place and the facility is nice enough, I don't I don't see why there should be an issue there. I, I just think that's that's my personal preference. I just think that's an interesting requirement that the MLS has had. Yeah, and I think they like to make exceptions for big market teams, right or wrong. So like. NYCFC play in Yankee Stadium, and it kind of looks like they're playing in a baseball stadium sometimes. Um, but then there's Louisville, who have been told if they're ever going to have an MLS team, they need a stadium, which they're probably never going to get a team anyway. They don't have a big enough market, but they just created a stadium. So now they're not playing at Slugger Field or whatever it is, and they're playing, they're going to have their own stadium. So it'll be interesting to see once they get rejected for not getting a team, like what the reasoning is for them, because they draw a lot of fans and they have a lot of support, and they're really successful in the lower league. So um, yeah, I think it's a good point. And, uh, you know, I, I think wherever your team is able to draw fans, that's the most important part. So like Chicago wasn't succeeding at their old stadium for various reasons. And now if they go to Soldier Field and do better then you know, more than mirror, as long as it looks good on TV and, you know, the stadium's good for people to go to them. Yeah. And I think, you know, the fan aspect, bringing it back to kind of what you said earlier, the, the Drogba, um, I think, a lot of times you've, you've seen it with Beckham in Miami is, is, is international players who, who are at the tail end of their career. They want to play for guys who played in Europe. So I think the ability to bring in those types of, of talents, even if it's at the end of their career, brings in more fans, which could be something that, you know, lends itself to Phoenix. If, if Drogba steps in and says, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm willing to be the face of this franchise in order to bring in, you know, good talent and, and kind of generate that fan base. I think, like you said, it's a, the most important thing is bringing fans in. And no matter how you do that, I don't think the MLS really cares as long as the seats are filled and people are watching on TV. And that's kind of like the Beckham effect, too, that you see in Miami. Like, they've bent over backwards, basically, to get Miami and Beckham in the league. And you can kind of see why. Like, they're already, there's rumors every week about who they're going to bring in next and who they've already brought in. And Austin FC have Matthew McConaughey and a bunch of other people invested in them. LAFC have Will Ferrell. So... It, you know, it's an interesting dynamic. Um, and it, I don't think it should be like the main aspect of picking a city or things like that. But I mean, it's got to play a part, especially when you're trying to compete against the NFL, MLB, you know, NBA, all those leagues. So, right. And then, so my last point on this subject is when, when has the MLS expanded too much? Is, is there too much of an expansion or are they getting close? Kind of what are your thoughts on that? Because me personally, I feel like they're getting a lot of teams and they just continue to keep adding. Yeah, I mean, they have, I don't even know how many they're at now, but it's got a, it's got, it's close to 30 or something now. Probably. I, think it, I think after the next round of additions, it'll be up to like 32 or so. Right. And yeah, and, and 
the thing is, is that it's not a league that is as dominant as the EPL or the Bundesliga or something like that. So you're just diluting the talent pool more. Um, on the same hand, the expansion fees keep going up and up and up so much that MLS aren't going to stop until like it doesn't make sense to stop. So like FCC, I don't remember what they paid, but it was to get into league. It maybe let's say it was 50 million. I think it was more than that. But the the expansion team, like 10 teams before, was probably like 10 million. Like so, and they're paying MLS. So like that is definitely a factor. Um, and it also has to do with like how you want to rearrange the conferences. So if you want to have like a Western conference with 20 teams or, or like a tier one and a tier two with 20 teams per, and you could go to like 40, but I don't know if that really makes sense or if people would actually like that. I think it's so hard for people to even break into watching MLS that like, even me, I'm, I'm a hardcore soccer fan, but like there's so many things about MLS and about teams and history that I don't know as much just because, I mean, there's already so much to pay attention to in world soccer or even just your own team. And then you have every other sport and everything on Netflix and everything on you know, YouTube or anything you want to watch that um, you definitely, you definitely get to the point where like, okay, we could chill out on the teams and maybe just implement promotion relegation or do something else. But yeah, I don't know. There's different ways they can handle it for sure. I think promotion relegation might be a way to increase, you know, viewership. I think it's an interesting fact. I also think that removing the salary cap is something that would be beneficial where teams can bring in, you know, a lot of high powered talent instead of being limited but maybe you use the USL as, as the lower tier and kind of tier the systems in the, and turn the MLS into promotion relegation. That puts more um, emphasis on each match and every match is important. I think, honestly, right now in, in the Premier League, the relegation battle is almost just as fun as, as the battle for top now that Man City has kind of taken off. Like that, that top, the Champions League battle is, is basically like, it's almost as fun as watching those guys in the lower, you know, they're fighting for their lives. And, and that, that's fun to watch those teams. They, they care about every game and every minute. And I think that would be something that would be cool to add to the MLS. Yeah. And there's some leagues overseas too that have like relegation playoffs. So nothing would get like a fan more invested or like, I don't know, just upset or, you know, riled up than having to play against three of the other worst teams in the league. And then your survival is dependent on like a one game playoff. Like you think back to, any document sports documentary you ever watched or whatever like that would be the most dramatic part of the whole thing like you know so I, I think that'd be a really fun element I don't think they're going to implement promotion relegation anytime soon just because like if you're an owner you don't want to you don't want to pay that huge expansion fee that we talked about and then be like oh now like we can get relegated now my investment is not worth as much um so that's one element to it and also like some of these USL teams that are successful, they don't have the following or the infrastructure to like really survive once they get promoted. And then on the flip side, like, I don't know if, if maybe there's a team that's not as successful in MLS and they get relegated, will that fan base stick with them? So especially early on with MLS, they're like, okay, do, how do we keep the league, you know, growing and not folding basically. So I think, I think that's at play as well, but I would love to see promotion relegation. That'd be a lot of fun but it completely eliminates that idea of tanking because like, even if the draft is still in place, if you get the, if you, if you're last, you're, you're no longer in the MLS. So every game matters. You can't just throw away games to get a, a better draft pick, which I think as much as it, I understand the the thought behind it. Like if you're not going to be win the, the cup, then you might as well, you know, get a better, set yourself up for the future, but it's frustrating to watch how many teams are willing to tank these days. Yeah. And I think the salary cap part that you mentioned really could happen too. I think they've talked a bit about 
um, lessening the restrictions and like if you want to compete globally like soccer is really one of those sports that really competes globally in terms of trying to buy players from other leagues and selling players and um, if they're able to lessen those restrictions that really is that gives them an upper hand because I mean you know USA is a destination for a lot of people and that's something that other countries maybe don't have to the same degree and there's so many different types of teams and environments to play into so um, I think that if they can do what they can to just get more players in the league, whether it be young players or veterans or whoever, I think that's only going to help the game and grow interest in the game. Yeah. And I, I think as the MLS gets better, maybe you can retain some of the, some of the American players that are becoming idols. All of the good young Americans are playing in Europe as they should right now, because the, the talent level is better over there that they're competing against the best players in the world every, but Imagine being able to to go to a MLS game and see Pulisic play and Weston McKinney and Gio Reyna, whereas, you know, we're never going to see those guys play until they suit up in an American uniform and they play on American soil. And and just imagine if the MLS gets to that point where they can retain their best American players, how much of that would grow the game just in itself. Yeah, and I think part of the problem, too, is that they have the Champions League appeal and brawl, and, and like, they have that for – North America, they have CONCACAF Champions League, but that's, you know, no one, that's just not the same draw. And American teams also stink in that, like Mexican teams always win. And um, so there's just a lot of work to do to catch up. But um, I think too, once these academy teams for MLS teams start doing better and growing their players and and into like studs, I think that's going to help too for, um, I guess, increasing the talent pool for soccer players. Yeah. So as we, as we kind of talk about young players, there's a new wave in basketball kind of going through about, you know, what young athletes should do before they can go into the draft. So that, that freshman college age um, and a new league just started up, the Overtime Amateur League. It's going to be for high school age students and college freshmen. And um, they're going to, you know, basically create a league where these, where these players can earn a salary and play without having to go through the college route and getting that so they can get that one year done after they graduate high school so they can enter the draft. I think it's a very cool idea. Um, it's, it's something that it takes a, a lot of finance to start. And I think it's really cool that overtime does it. I think they've built their, their fan base on those, those high school aged, you know, phenoms and showing their highlights. So I think it's really cool that they're kind of doing this to promote, um, you know, the game. What are your thoughts on it? Yeah, I thought it was cool that it was overtime. I, I mean, I've seen the clips before and I didn't think anything of it. So I didn't realize that they were affiliated. Um, but that's cool. I mean, I saw a stat that their content is streamed like 1.7 billion times a month. It's probably the same article that you saw. But um, and so I thought and, and also crazy, they're getting like $100,000 to play, which is that's really hard to turn down for anybody. Like, so, you know, it kind of it, it kind of raises the question, do you pick that or do you go the college route? Because I think if you go this route, you can't go the college route. So you're kind of betting on yourself that you can make it pro. Or you say, okay, I'm going to try this, make some money at it. If not, they'll reimburse me for college tuition and I'll go just go to college or do something else. But um, it's, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a cool idea for a league and it's, it has a lot of backing. It sounds like the old commissioner Stern was, thought it was a good idea. I mean, they have Carmelo Anthony, KD, people involved. And plus they're getting like health benefits, all sorts of things that, um, it's almost like how, how are they even like financing this through, especially through a pandemic. It's um, I'm really interested to see how it uh, continues and how it will affect basketball going forward. 
Yeah, I think it's another avenue for these young athletes who don't think college is, is the best route for them to go. I think it's another, like we saw the, the G League is now available for players to, after you graduate high school, you're allowed to play in like the G League for a year, but you can't get called up to the NBA. Like you have to play only in the G League. Um, I think Jalen Green is, is a guy who did that this last year. And I think he made $500,000, but also he's like the top prospect in his league. Yeah. And so it's like 200 to 500 or something. So it's like the next level of this idea, basically. Right. And, but like, if, even if you look at the average G league salary, it's only 35,000 for the season. So just imagine these young athletes who are like high school age with the opportunity. So it's going to be like the elite of elite. Not anybody can just show up and play, yeah. which is going to be cool in itself. Um, but it, I think it's an awesome concept. I think it's almost a less risky version for these people instead of, you know, following like the balls and going overseas where in Lithuania, like if they fail in Lithuania and they don't get drafted, then there's no avenue for them. Like you said, these athletes are going to be able to go back to school. You know, they're going to have health benefits. They're going to have a salary that they can fall back on. And so I think it's, it's a great opportunity for these kids as, as they kind of decide what the best step is for them. It kind of reminded me of the MLS academies or even just like IMG Academy, how they have that for different sports. It kind of that concept, but on like steroids almost, it felt like. Um, and I think the big thing too is that they can make money off their own likeness. They can do their own deals. So um, like that's a big advantage because you always hear that like should college players be have that ability? Well, like now they have their own pathway for that basically. Um you know, I hope it doesn't impact like the college game too much because I love watching that. And I don't I don't really see myself watching this league other than clips online or something, um, unless it just takes off. I don't know. But I don't really see myself sitting down and watching one of these games. Um, so I hope it doesn't impact college too much. But, you know, it also could eliminate the one and done a little bit. I don't know. I mean, it, it, if it got rid of the one and done a little bit, I might be more interested in college basketball in general. So. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see the impact it has on college basketball as well as high school basketball. As I think if I read the article correctly, I think high school age students can can join the league as well, which I, I'm not sure I feel about that because offering $100,000 to a high school student, like what kid is going to have the right mind to say, like ev like every kid would jump on that. And I think it kind of might eliminate, you know, that high school basketball feel, which I think. I grew up loving and I had the opportunity to play Indiana high school basketball, which is an awesome experience. And I think guys like Chet Holgram, who's a, who's a high school phenom right now, it does eliminate some of that high school feel, which I think is important to a lot of local towns. And I'm not saying every high school phenom is going to leave, but it might reduce the impact that high school basketball has on, on individuals and in towns and counties and stuff like that, as well as eliminate that one and done. So we might see less talent in the NCAA, which, if they're if they're leaving one and done, they it's not a big impact. But like we don't see Zion at Duke, and we don't see stuff like that, which I think is a cool experience. Um, so it might impact programs like Duke or um, Kentucky in ways that might be more impactful than say a Purdue, who a lot of their players stay for two, three, four years. I don't know if you saw, but there's a funny clip. Zion was actually on a podcast. We're trying to get him next week, but he was on a podcast, and he like someone brought up that clip uh, about him being guarded by that kid and he was like yeah I actually really respected it you know that was actually pretty funny but in the moment I was like what's he doing like I'm I'm just gonna wreck him so it's it's crazy that I mean I'm just imagining going up against him there's a picture of Lukaku uh striker for Belgium plays for Inter right now and it's him as like a 15 year old against like a bunch of kids basically and it just looked like 
it looked insane that he was could even go up against you know it was like going up against me as a 10 year old just skinny white kid like trying to defending his Lukaku I just is terrifying to look at but yeah I mean I agree with what you're saying um and I think that the biggest thing I worry about is just if it's too risky for some of these players who um maybe think that they're going to go pro right away and then they get to this league and then like they just don't have it in them to to take the next step right away because maybe they just need more time to develop or maybe they just I don't know maybe they just think that they're ready and they're not so I, I would like to know more about like the selection process I'm sure it's really like strict and you know it, not just anybody can make it like you said but I'd be curious to know more about that yeah I do agree that it could take some some people away from maybe the path that might be best for them with the allure of that money um, what I thought was cool about that Zion interview is he name dropped that kid. He knew that kid's first and last name by heart. Like he knows that kid, which I think is cool. Like if you're that kid, like you obviously went famous on, but like Zion still knows who you are. So I thought yeah, he doesn't know anybody else he played against in high school other than like three people that, right. you know, so that's cool. Yeah. Yep. So I think we're going to move into a new segment on the podcast. We're going to go with the segment called Tong Talks. So this is going to be a segment where, Tong kind of gives a take on his and kind of explains, you know, what he's thinking behind it. So go ahead, Tong. Yep. Uh, taking after TED Talks, of course. I'll get on my little soapbox for a little bit. Uh, I saw on Twitter the, I think it was Sunday, Saturday or Sunday, Liverpool had just played Fulham. Uh, they lost one nothing, and it was their sixth loss in a row at home. I think they've, they're on like a, quite a skid right now. And there were people tweeting, clap out, clap out. Um, and I just thought that was, personally, I thought that was kind of ridiculous. I understand where they're coming from, but you have a guy right now who just is coming off a Champions League win, and the year before that, he made the finals in Champions League. And then last year, they won the Prem. They were one of the best teams I've really ever seen. They had a front three that was fantastic. And now they're going through a small slide where they're dropped to, like, I think they're eighth right now, which is terrible. Don't get me wrong. But they're a few wins away from fourth. They're a few wins away from, you know, a few more results go their way. A, a little less bar craziness goes against them. You know, maybe one less Virgil van Dyke gets hurt and they're in second or third, you know. Uh, this is a guy, manager, who was not backed as much as he could have been, you know. Like, he, they got Tiago, but that's probably to re replace another one of their players. And they, you know, they didn't get anybody else. And if you win the league, you got to keep getting better. Um, you have all that going against them and he's still, they're still kind of in the mix. Uh, I, I definitely understand what people are saying, how you still have all your attackers there and they're not creating anything. It looks really bad right now. And I get that, but I kind of take it back to what the Dortmund CEO said when they got rid of him. So they had just won the league twice in a row. They kept him for a few more years and it wasn't going very well. And the Dortmund CEO basically was like, Hey, maybe it would have been, he wrote in the book, I think, or interview something maybe it would have been better if we had changed the whole team instead of firing the coach because there are so many good players, but not that many great coaches. So it's going to be hard to replace a Klopp. Like Klopp is one of the best managers out there. I hate saying it. I'm a United fan. But if I think that if I want him fired, then I know he shouldn't be fired. You know, like when Brendan Rodgers was at Liverpool at the end, I wanted him there because he was really bad there at, at the end. And now I want him fired at Leicester because he's doing well there. You know, so I think that's reason enough to keep them. It's going to be hard to build a team again when they're already, they built the team around him and that style of play. It's hard to replace a legend like that. He's going to get a statue or something. I just think that if you replace him now, it's going to be tough to get somebody better and it's just risky. And I think 
now, now here's the thing though. If he's like, Hey, I think that I've done everything I can with the team. I can't take them any further. All right. Then I understand that. I think he might've even said that at Dortmund at one point. I understand that. Then he should leave. He could go coach Germany or do whatever he wants. But until then, I think you got to give him a bit more time. Basically, is what I think. So, thank you for coming to my Kong talk. But <laughs> that's all I have to say about the matter. Yeah. Do you, I, do you have anything to add to that, Matthew? Rue? I don't think I have anything to add, but I think you hit it right on the head. Um, I think he's earned a little bit more time. I think his he's riddled with injuries this year. I saw a list. I think he's played with a combination of like double digit amount of combinations at center back. Like that's crazy. Like no other no other clubs doing that. Um. So just the amount of injuries that he suffered, the amount of success he's had in recent years, I think he's just earned more time. And I think it's a little hasty. And of course, fans, you know, in, in the heat of the moment, you're going to be like, well, he lost to Fulham and he lost to Leander. Right. But when it comes down to it, what he's, he's one of the best managers in, in the whole world. And I don't think, like you said, you're not going to find somebody too much better than him, if anybody at this point. So I, I think you hit it right on the nose. And I, I know Liverpool fans might point to, like, Steven Gerrard's winning a league with Rangers right now in Scotland. He's a club legend. He could come back. Or, like, you know, Ranieri was fired the season after they won the league with Leicester. And, you know, in the end, that was probably maybe the right call. But I just don't think they're quite similar situations enough. And, I, again, I don't think you're going to be able to replace – you can replace a Ranieri. That was a crazy season. But I don't think you can replace a Klopp necessarily in the same way. Yeah, because Klopp has shown su sustained success, whereas Ranieri, you know, obviously that was a fantastic season and when one that'll go down in the books. But I think and, – and even his season after is way worse than what Klopp's having this year. Like, and, and Liverpool had a decent start to the season and they've just kind of been riddled with injury and, and, and fallen as of late. Now, fingers crossed, two months from now, Liverpool still haven't won. And then I can look back at this and be like, okay, yeah, I mean, Right. I was wrong. I'll take it. You know. <laughs> right. But you know, I, I think uh, I think it'd be hasty to fire him. I agree. All right. So I'll push it back to Root now. We have he has his own segment as well. Uh, it is hot takes with Matty Ice. Um, Root, what's your hot take this week? So my hot take this week is that I think by the time Jaden Ivey leaves for the NBA draft, he will be the Big Ten Player of the Year. I think right now, as a true freshman, he's just shown signs that he's he's headed in that direction. I think you look at Purdue's currently the 20th ranked team in the nation. He's arguably their best player right now, although the last couple of games it's been Edie, but that's a different topic. Man. Uh, uh, but I think Ivy just has this raw ability that, you know, you can't coach. The athleticism, the ability to get to the basket, finish through contract, I think is is phenomenal. Already there as a true freshman. And obviously there's things he needs to work on. Like he's not NBA ready now by any means, which is I'm thankful because he's coming back next year. Hallelujah. Um, but I think he only averages 10 points right now, but I think those, those have increased because at the beginning of the year, he wasn't even starting. He was the sixth, seventh man. Um, and now he starts every game. He's not coming out of the lineup. He's in there during crunch time. And I think he's just, he's become one of the most important players um, on Purdue, who has the chance to make a little bit of a run in the tourney, I think. Um, and he reminds me so much of Carson Edwards. I think a lot of times we, as when Carson was young, everybody got mad at him for his shot selection and his jumping through the passing lanes, which led to easy buckets for the other team. 
And I, I see a lot of that in Ivy. And I have to, you know, keep myself calm sometimes when I'm watching Purdue because Ivy does make me frustrated. But I think you got to live with the bad because the good is, is so much more than the bad. And so I think we see signs of, you know, kind of a raw product. And where Ivy can really improve his game is with the three-point shot. He's only shooting about 22% right now from three. But I think that's an area in basketball that you're able to develop better than maybe any other area in basketball. He can already handle the ball. He already plays pretty good defense. Um, the dude averages like two blocks a game, which is crazy as a point guard. Um, but I think, you know, all it takes for him to improve his three is to get in the gym. It's just reps, I think. And that's something that you can easily change. You can't, it's hard to change your ability to finish through contact, but he already has that. He doesn't need to. If he can shoot from a clip around 35, low 30s, mid 30s, and just, you know, make teams guard him out there every once in a while, that opens up the driving lanes. And then once he figures out, you know, whether to pass or shoot a little bit, a little bit better shot selection, I think he's going to be a phenomenal basketball player. And I can't wait to see what the coming years for him have. Yeah, it's a classic Rube Homer pick that I'd expect in this first segment. But uh, I mean, yeah, when I've watched, I definitely kind of felt that frustration where I'd be, he'd do something great and then I'd be like, okay, what is this play that you're doing right now? But I mean, you have to remember he's young. Um, I could see him definitely being somebody that Painter takes under his wing and molds into a Carson Edwards-like player. Um, and you kind of mentioned it, but like if you, what do you think his biggest downfall might be if he doesn't reach his potential you mentioned threes but you think that's like the biggest one probably where like he, like he could improve his game the most yeah I think that's where he can improve his game the most right now I think also I think shock selection but that'll come with age and and kind of maturity so I'm not too worried about that but yeah I think if he can just develop a, a decent three-point shot just because right now teams don't have to guard him on the arc and you just have to guard his, his drive to the basket, which then gets him in trouble because there's multiple guys waiting for him at the rim, and then he's got to try to decide to pass out of it, whether to shoot it and, you know, turn the ball over a couple times. So I think I think his biggest weakness right now is that three-point shot. I think he should just transfer to BYU. I mean, it worked for Harms, defensive player of the year in the conference. I mean, you look at Harms, he probably saw the writing on the wall. Travion Williams is one of the best bigs in all of all of them basketball so there's no way he was going to play and then Edie's coming in Edie's just as good as arms if not better hockey do you know that and baseball yeah, I will hear that he has played those two and he's big he's a big player you hear that one he's a big guy <laughs> thanks for uh joining me with my hot take my pleasure all right guys thanks for listening to this episode of the reserve team podcast don't forget to like subscribe comment down below and join us for next week Up the reserve team. Remember, up the reserve team. Jesus. <laughs>